we present Monkey. An abridged translation of the great Chinese classic Journey to the West, written by Wu Chung-un, translated by Arthur Whaley, and narrated by Bob Jones. Chapter 27 Now we have got to decide which of us is to go down under the water first, said Monkey when he reached the bank. Brother, said Pigsy, neither Sandy nor I can match half your tricks. It's clear that you should go first. The trouble is, said Monkey, that I am not at my best in the water. I have to be making magic passes all the time to protect myself from it. You are both of you water experts and had better go in together. I can manage the water all right, said Sandy, but I don't know what it's going to be like when we get to the bottom. Let's all go together. Shall you transform yourself into something, went on Sandy, or shall we carry you? In any case, when we get to the creature's lair, you must go on ahead and see how things stand. If the master is really there and alive, we'll all charge to the assault. But it may turn out that it wasn't the great king who carried him off at all. He may just have been drowned. On the other hand, the king may already have eaten him. In that case, there's no more we can do, and we had better make off in some other direction as fast as we can. Good, said Monkey. Which of you will carry me? Pigsy saw his opportunity. This monkey, he said to himself, has had I don't know how many games at my expense, but he is not at home in the water and if I offer to carry him, I shall have a chance of getting my own back. I'll carry you, brother, he said. Monkey saw at once that there was something in the wind, and made his plans accordingly. All right, he said. You are stronger in the back than Sandy. So Pigsy took him on his back, and Sandy led the way. When they had almost reached the bottom, he began his game. Monkey felt that it was coming, and plucking a hair, he changed it into the semblance of himself, which remained on Pigsy's back, while the real monkey changed into a hog louse and clung tight to Pigsy's ear. Pigsy, as he went, suddenly made a great jolt, intended to send Monkey flying over his head, but the sham monkey, being nothing but a transformed hare, merely fluttered away and disappeared. Brother, said Sandy, do you know what you have done? It's not very good going, and anyone might slip about a bit, but you've jolted up rather right off your back, and how is anyone to know where he has fallen to? That monkey, said Pigsy, ought surely to be able to stand a little jolting. What's the good of a fellow who just vanishes at the first jolt? Don't let us worry about what has become of him. 
You and I will go and look for the master. I'm not going without him, said Sandy. You and I may be good at going in the water, but we are not up to half his tricks. Monkey, firmly lodged in Pigsy's ear, could not refrain from crying out, I'm here. That's done it, said Sandy. Ghosts are heard, but not seen. He is certainly dead. What possessed you to try that game with him? Pigsy, in great perturbation, knelt down and said, kowtowing, Brother, I ought not to have done it. When we have rescued Tripitaka and are on land again, I will apologize properly. Where are you talking from? You frightened me to death. Show yourself in your true form and I will carry you properly and give you no more jolts. You are carrying me now, said Monkey. Gee up and I won't tease you. Mumbling to himself about his apology, Pigsy scrambled to his feet and went on. Suddenly they saw a notice with Turtle House written on it. This must be where the monster is living, said Sandy. Let's go and taunt him to battle. Do you suppose there is water at the gate? said Monkey. There clearly isn't, said Sandy. Well then, said Monkey, you two go and hide at each side of the door, and I'll prospect. So saying, he crawled out of Pigsy's ear, shook himself, changed into a long-legged crab mother, and sidled in at the door. There was the monster, with his kinsfolk round him, and the perch mother at his side. They were discussing how they should eat Tripitaka, but looking about on all sides, Monkey could not anywhere see the master. Presently, he saw a crab mother sidling along the corridor. Granny, he said, going up to her, they are deciding about the eating of this Chinese priest. What have they done with him in the meanwhile? They put, put him, him in, in the stone, stone chest, chest behind the palace, said she. They, they are, are not going, going to eat him till, till tomorrow, for, for fear his disciples come along, come along and kick up a fuss. Up a fuss. If, if everything, everything is all right then, there'll, there'll be, be music and, and great goings on. Monkey chatted with her for a little and then went behind the palace, where, sure enough, he found a stone chest, rather like some pigsties that people make of stone, or a sepulchral sarcophagus. He bent over the chest and soon heard Tripitaka blubbering piteously. Master, he called, do not grieve. The flood scripture says, Earth is the mother of the five elements, Water is the source of the five elements. Without earth, we could not be born, but without water, we could not grow. Take comfort in this, and in the fact that I have come. Save me, disciple, groaned Tripitaka. Don't worry, said Monkey. Wait till we have caught the monster, then we'll soon get you out. I hope you'll be quick about it, said Tripitaka. If I stay another day... I shall succumb. That's all right, said Monkey. Off I go.
Well, brother, how do things stand? asked Sandy when Monkey reappeared in his true form. The master has indeed been captured, Monkey said, but so far no harm has been done to him. The monster has put him in a stone chest. You two had better go and give battle, and I'll return to the surface. If you can catch the monster, do so. If you can't, pretend to give in and retreat to the surface, enticing him to follow you. Then you can leave him to me. Look at Pigsy. He goes blustering to the door. Monster, he cries. Give us back our master. Some little imps at the door rushed in and announced, Great King, there is, there is someone, someone outside asking for his master. master. I know what that means, said the monster. That, that cursed priest has, has come. come. Quick, bring, bring me my, my whole outfit, he cried. Armed to the teeth, he called his imps to the door and came striding out, followed by a hundred and ten satellites, all swinging halberds or brandishing swords. What, what temple, temple do you come, come from, and, and why, why are you, are you making, making this scene at my, my door? He thundered. Insensate creature, cried Pigsy. I had a chat with you only a few nights ago. How can you pretend that you do not know me? I am a disciple of Tripitaka, who is going to India to fetch scriptures. You have the effrontery to call yourself great king and think yourself entitled to eat girls and boys from the village. I am your victim, the girl Load of Gold. Don't you recognize me? Are you aware that you could be sued for impersonation? said the monster. As things, As things turned, turned out, out, I didn't, didn't eat you, and, and in fact, did, did you no know harm. But you, but you gave, gave me a nasty knock. I should have thought you would have been glad enough to escape alive instead of coming pestering me at home. No harm indeed, cried Pigsy. Isn't it enough that you trapped my master under the ice? Give him back to us at once, and we will say no more about it. But if so much as half the word no leaves your lips, just have a look at this rake and know what to expect. Well, if you, if you must, must needs know, know, said the monster, smiling sourly, I, I confess it was, it was I who made, made the frost, frost and, and seized, seized upon your master. master. But, but I must, I must warn, warn you that if you want, want to pick a quarrel with me, things, things won't go quite like last time. time. Then I was going to a dinner party and had, had no weapons, weapons with me. This, this time I have got, got my battle mallet. I challenge you to three bouts. If you, if you can, can get the better of me, me you, you shall have back your master. But if, but if you, you can't, I shall eat you as well as him. Pretty fellow, said Pigsy. All I ask for is a fight. Have a good look at this rake. I can see that you were not a priest to start with, said the monster. What makes you think that, said Pigsy. 
I can, I can tell, tell by your rake, rake, said the monster. You, you must, must have worked it in a vegetable garden and, and run, run off with the owner's muckrake. My boy, said Pigsy, you are much mistaken if you think that this is an ordinary garden rake. It could comb the ocean and scare the dragons out of their beds. The monster paid no heed to these boastings, but raised his brazen mallet and struck at Pigsy's head. Pigsy warded off the blow with his rake, saying, Cursed creature, I can see that you were not an ogre to start with. Can, can you indeed? said the monster. How, How do you, you make, make that, that out? I can tell by the way you use your mallet, said Pigsy. You must have worked in a silversmith's forge and run off with your master's mallet. You, you are, are much mistaken, mistaken, said the monster. If you, if you imagine that this is an ordinary silver worker's mallet, it comes, it comes from, from the garden of the immortals, where it was tempered in magic fountains so that no axe, spear, halberd or sword can withstand it. Sandy, seeing them engaged in dispute, could not refrain from stepping up and shouting, Monster! Waste no more random talk. The men of old said, What the mouth speaks proves nothing. Only by deeds can men be judged. Stand your ground and eat my staff. I, I can, can see that, that you weren't, weren't a priest to, to start with. with said the monster, fending off the blow. How do you know? said Sandy. You, you look, look to me as, as though you had worked in a pastry cook's shop at, at one time, time or, another, or another, he said. What makes you think that? said Sandy. Well, well if, if not, not, said the monster, where did you learn to use that, that rolling pin of yours? Monster, cried Sandy, learn to use your eyes. This is no common article, but a weapon so unique in the world that few have ever heard of it. This staff came from the most secret recesses of the Palace of the Moon and is guaranteed to shatter all the majesty of heaven at a single blow. For two hours, the three of them battled at the bottom of the water, without victory on either side. At last, seeing that the monster could not be overcome, Pigsy winked at Sandy, and both of them pretended to give up the fight, and made away at top speed. Little, Little ones, ones, said the monster, stay on guard, guard here while I chase, chase these fellows. fellows. When, when I, I have caught them, you, you shall all have your share to eat. Look at him, like a leaf driven by the autumn wind or a fallen petal struck down by the rain, he fled after them up to the outer air. Monkey was watching the water intently. Suddenly, he saw a great heaving of the waves and heard a noise of grunting and panting. Here we are, cried Pigsy, jumping out onto the bank. He was soon followed by Sandy, and a moment later the monster's head appeared above the water. Look out for my cudgel, cried Monkey. The monster ducked and fended the blow with his mallet. 
They had not finished three bouts when the monster, unable any longer to fend Monkey's blows and worn out, slipped down into the stream and all was quiet again. Brother, said Sandy, you were a match for him up here, but now that he's gone down below again, things are as bad as ever. How are we to rescue the master? It's no use going on like this, said Monkey. You two stay here and see that he doesn't slip off somewhere, and I'll go away. Away? Where to? cried Pigsy. I'm going to the Bodhisattva in the Southern Ocean, said Monkey, to find out who this monster really is. When I know, I shall go to his ancestral home, seize all his friends and relations, and then come back here, deal with the creature himself, and rescue the master. Brother, said Pigsy, that all sounds very roundabout, and will waste a lot of time. Not a bit of it, said Monkey. I shan't waste a minute. I'll be back almost before I start. Dear Monkey, he shot up on a shaft of magic light and was soon at the Southern Ocean. In less than half an hour, Mount Potalaka rose up before him. He lowered his cloud and was met by the 24 Divas, the guardian spirits of the mountain, Moksha and the Dragon King's daughter carrying the pearl. Great Sage, what brings you here? they asked. I have business with the Bodhisattva, he said. She left her cave early this morning, said they, allowing no one to follow her and went into the bamboo grove, but she evidently expected you, for she told us to receive you here if you came, and not to bring you to her at once. Just sit down here for a while and wait till she comes out of the grove. Monkey soon grew tired of waiting. You might tell her, said he, that if she doesn't come soon, it may be too late to save Tripitaka's life. We dare not do that, said the divinities. The Bodhisattva said you were to wait till she came. Monkey was by nature extremely impatient, and presently he strode off towards the grove. Hello, Bodhisattva, he cried when he reached it. Your servant Monkey pays his humble compliments. Kindly wait outside, said Quen Yin. Bodhisattva, he cried, kowtowing. My master is in difficulties and I have come to you to get particulars about this monster who haunts the river that flows to heaven. Go away and wait till I come out, she repeated. Monkey dared not disobey, and going back to the divinities, he said, I got a glimpse of Bodhisattva. I don't know what she's up to today. Instead of sitting on her lotus terrace, she is poked away all by herself in the bamboo grove Pairing bamboo strips. She has not even bothered to make up or put on her jewels. We know no more than you do, they said. But as she is expecting you, she is probably busy doing something on your behalf. There was nothing for it but to wait again. After a while, the Bodhisattva came out of the grove 
carrying a bamboo basket. Come along, she said. We'll go and rescue Tripitaka. I shouldn't like to hurry you, said Monkey, kneeling. Wouldn't you like to finish dressing first? I can't be bothered, she said. I'm going just as I am. She sailed away on her cloud roll, followed by Monkey. That's quick work, said Pigsy, when they appeared above the riverbank. It takes a lot of hustling to make a bodhisattva come straight along without even doing her hair or putting on her jewels. The bodhisattva floated low over the river and, untying her sash, tied the basket to it and trailed it through the water upstream. The dead go, the living stay. When she had repeated this charm seven times, she drew up the basket. In it flashed the tail of a golden fish. Its eyes blinked and its tail twitched. Go at once into the water and fetch up your master, cried the bodhisattva. But I haven't dealt yet with the monster, protested Monkey. The monster is in the basket, said the bodhisattva. What? cried Pigsy and Sandy. A fish do all that harm? It's a goldfish that I reared in my lotus pond. Every day it used to put its head out and listen to the scriptures, thus acquiring great magical powers. Its mallet was a lotus stalk, topped by an unopened bud that this creature, by its magic, turned into a weapon. One day there was a flood, and it got washed out of the pool and floated out to sea, finally reaching the place where you found him. Leaning on the balustrade and looking at the flowers, I was surprised not to see this fellow coming out to salute me. A close inspection of the ripples convinced me that he had gone this way and might be molesting your master. So, without even stopping to comb my hair or put on my jewels, I plaited this magic basket to capture him in. In that case, said Monkey, wait a minute and I'll call all the faithful of the village to come and gaze upon your golden visage. They will be glad to show their gratitude, and we can tell them just how the monster was recovered. That will increase the faith of these immortals and promote their piety. Very well then, said Bodhisattva. Go and fetch them quickly. Pigsy and Sandy ran back to the farm and shouted, all of you come and see the living bodhisattva. Men and women, young and old, all trooped to the riverbank and regardless of puddles and mud, flung themselves to their knees. Among them there happened to be a skillful painter who made a portrait of the bodhisattva and this was the beginning of the form of Quen Yin known as Quen Yin with the fish basket. Soon she withdrew to the Southern Ocean, and Pigsy and Sandy made their way down through the water to Turtle House. Here they found all the monster's fish followers lying dead and rotting. Going behind the palace, they soon hoisted Tripitaka out of the stone chest and carried him back through the waves.
We are afraid, reverend sir, that you let yourself in for a very bad time by declining our invitation to stay on, said the brothers Chun when Tripitaka arrived. There is no need to harp on that now, said Monkey. The main thing is that next year the village will not have to supply victims for the sacrifice. You are rid of your great king forever and need fear no more. We must now trouble you to find us a boat to take us across the river. You shall have it, cried Mr. Chun, and he ordered planks to be sawn and a boat made. The people in the village vied with one another in helping with the equipment. One promised to make himself responsible for the masts and sails, another for paddles and poles. One offered to supply ropes, another to pay the sailors. In the midst of all the commotion that was going on by the riverside, a voice was suddenly heard saying, Great Sage, you need not trouble to build a boat. It is a waste of good material. I will take you across. So startled were they all that the more timid bolted back to the village, and even the bolder among them only dared peep cautiously in the direction from which the voice came. In a moment, a square, white head appeared above the waves, and there presently emerged a huge white turtle. Great sage, the turtle said again, don't trouble to build a boat. I will take you across. Cursed creature, cried Monkey, move an inch further and I'll club you to death with this cudgel. I am deeply beholden to you, said the turtle and want to show my gratitude by taking you across. Why do you threaten me with your cudgel? For what are you beholden to me? asked Monkey. Great sage, said the turtle, you do not realize that this turtle house under the river was my home, and belonged to my ancestors for generations past. Owing to the magic powers that I won by my austerities, I was able to improve the place considerably and make it into the handsome water palace that you saw. But one day this monster came churning through the waves and made a wanton attack upon me. In the fight that ensued, many of my children were hurt and many of my kinsmen taken. I could not stand up against him and my home with all that was in it fell into his hands. But now, owing to your having persuaded the Bodhisattva to call in this monster, I have been able to recover possession of my house. I am happily installed there with the remaining kinsmen whom I have been able to gather about me. We are not left out in the mud, but can live comfortably in our old home. My gratitude for this is high as the hills and as deep as the sea. But we are not the only ones to benefit. The people of the village will no longer have to supply children for the yearly sacrifice. It is indeed a case of two gains at one move. Surely it is natural that I should wish to show my gratitude. Are we really to believe that you are speaking the truth? said Monkey, withdrawing his cudgel. But great sage, said the turtle, how would I dare to deceive you after all you have done for me? 
swear to heaven that this is the truth, said Monkey. The turtle opened its red mouth wide and swore as follows. If I do not bring Tripitaka safely across the river as I have promised to do, may my bones turn into water. That's good enough, said Monkey. You can come out. The turtle then pushed close in to shore and lumbered up onto the bank. Pressing round him, the people saw that he had a great white carapace full forty feet in diameter. Get on board, said Monkey, and we'll all go across. Disciple, said Tripitaka, the ice was slippery, but at any rate it stayed still. I'm afraid that this turtle's back will be very unsteady. Don't worry, said Monkey. When creatures can speak human language, they generally tell the truth. Come, brothers, make haste and bring our horse. The white horse was led onto the middle of the turtle's back. Tripitaka stood on the left and Sandy on the right, while Pigsy stood behind its tail. Monkey placed himself in front of the horse's head and, fearing trouble, undid the sash of his tiger-skin apron and tied it to the turtle's nose, holding the other end in one hand, while in the other hand he grasped his iron cudgel. Then, with one foot on the creature's head and the other firmly on its carapace, "'Now, turtle, go gently,' he cried, "'and remember, at the least sign of wobble, "'you'll get a crack on the head.' "'I shouldn't dare,' said the turtle. "'I shouldn't dare.' "'Then, while the turtle set off smoothly over the waters, "'the villagers on the bank burnt incense and kowtowed, "'murmuring, "'Glory be to Buddha! "'Glory be to Buddha!' In less than a day they had safely traversed the whole eight hundred leagues and arrived with dry hand and dry foot at the farther shore. Tripitaka disembarked and with palms pressed together thanked the turtle saying, It affects me deeply that I have nothing to give you in return for your trouble. I hope that when I come back with the scriptures I shall be able to show you my gratitude. Master, said the turtle, I should not dream of accepting a reward, but there is one thing you can do for me. I have heard that the Buddha of the Western Heaven knows both the past and the future. I have been perfecting myself here for about one thousand years. This is a pretty long span, and I have already been fortunate enough to learn human speech. But I still remain a turtle. I should indeed be very much obliged if you would ask the Buddha how long it will be before I achieve human form. I promise to ask, said Tripitaka. The turtle then disappeared into the depths of the river. Monkey helped Tripitaka onto his horse. Pigsy shouldered the luggage and Sandy brought up the rear. They soon found their way back to the main road and set out for the west. If you do not know how far they still had to travel and whether disasters still awaited them, you must listen to what is told in the next chapter.
You've been listening to Monkey, an abridged translation of the great Chinese classic Journey to the West, written by Wu Chung-un, translated by Arthur Whaley, and narrated by Bob Jones.